Welcome, you're listening to The Difference at Work, a KGA podcast for managers and HR professionals eager to hear from experts and to bring new perspectives to our work. In offering employee assistance and work-life programs, KGA hears from clients every day about their increasingly complex work environments. On our podcast, you'll have a front row seat for conversations touching upon everything from crisis management and substance use to employee engagement and parenting challenges. I am Seth Muller, president of KGA. My guest today is Bridget Garsh, the co-founder and chief operating officer of Neighbor Schools located in Boston, Mass. Neighbor Schools was born out of Bridget's own challenges finding high quality yet affordable childcare and the realization that so many parents struggle with these same issues every day. Neighbor Schools' mission is to help experienced educators launch and operate family childcare programs in doing so, the aim is to increase access to affordable, high-quality childcare for parents everywhere. Children get amazing early childhood education programs, parents get trusted partners, and providers can earn a living doing what they love. Now, every month, thousands of working parents use neighbor schools to learn about their options and find the right provider for their children. As a thought leader and leading female founder in Boston Tech, Bridget Garsh has been featured in Mother Magazine, Mommy Poppins, Bloomberg Business Radio, amongst others. Bridget, thank you for sharing your time with us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much, Seth. I'm really happy to be with you today. Let's dive right into it. You know, under the best of times, finding childcare is stressful. You know, I say that as a parent of three kids myself. But I'm really interested in hearing about your experiences that drove you to found and create neighbor schools. What were you trying to fix? At the time uh, we were talking about neighbor schools, my son was about six months old, my first son, Hudson. And at that point, he had been in two different daycares. He'd had six different teachers. And it was really a challenge for us financially as well, despite my husband and I being, you know, college educated, having strong corporate jobs. And we knew we weren't alone. We kept hearing from friends who were struggling to find care. A good friend of mine at the time, she was on her maternity leave three weeks out from her return to work date, and she was still on wait lists and didn't have a spot for her child. That inspired us to dig a little deeper and think about the challenges that people were facing in finding childcare. Born of stress, the stress of all of that situation. Exactly. And we learned that we were the lucky ones, to be totally honest. Across the country and nationally, 50% of families live in a childcare desert where there is literally no childcare available for them at all. And we also realized just the disproportionate effect that this has on women. Because if somebody is forced to stay at home and they don't have that choice to be able to work outside of the home, that often falls on women. And so we saw it from an accessibility standpoint for working parents being forced to choose between work and children, and also from a gender equity standpoint and how that was going to have a long-term detrimental effect on women. So my personal experience and our collective personal experience from hearing from our friends as a founding team 
really inspired us to dive deeper and show us that the childcare market is broken and we wanted to set out to fix that. That is so helpful to hear. And I honestly can't think of any higher order. Those are incredibly important issues, all of them. And yes, they do come together. And yes, the accountability for that is overwhelmingly disproportionate upon the mothers and the women. Even as an employer, I see it and know it and experience it. What employees are, if you will, at risk in terms of being able to be stable employees mm -hmm. because they have to drop back, if you will, and address childcare issues in their, in their own families. So describe them, neighbor schools today. You set out to face those issues. So how do the neighbor schools work? How are they different? How do they address what you set out to do? We started neighbor schools to make childcare more accessible and affordable. Like I was just explaining, we saw those as the key drivers that were going to help families have childcare available to them. So at our core, you can think of us like Airbnb. We're the Airbnb of home daycares. We are bringing parents and home daycare providers together. So on one side, we are helping people open and operate home daycares. So we're really focused on increasing supply and helping educators earn two to three times what preschool teachers make on average. So there's an equitability component to the work that we are doing. And on the other side, for parents, we take the stress out of that daycare search and we're helping families really discover the right home daycare for them. So if you think of a world without neighbor schools, calling 50 daycares to try and find out if they even have a spot for your child doesn't work for families. And we have an entire network of providers and have built the technology to match parents' needs to provider openings. So parents can immediately see those matches and start focusing their search. Does that mean that a parent can see only those schools that are available, those neighbor schools that are available in operation now? Or is it a broader viewability and ability to match to somebody who might be a resource? That's a great question. So we're constantly expanding our network of providers and from our site, a family can not only see neighbor schools partners, but they can also discover licensed home daycares across the areas that we cover. And then as families might be interested, maybe there's one that's around the corner from them that we haven't partnered with quite yet. We are going out to recruit that provider into the network. Got it. So it really is an organically growing process all the time. And you're not bound by a geography, if I understand you correctly. Yes, exactly. That's definitely the case. And um, the other interesting point there is that once that one family might express an interest in that program, when we then know the information about their availability and about their program, we can then use that to help other families as well. It's almost like a virtuous circle or a flywheel. That sounds really interesting. And it also helps me understand why, if I'm a family that doesn't know of a neighbor's school in my immediate community, that doesn't mean there can't be one. There is a path forwards. Definitely. And as I was mentioning before, 
the other part of our work to really help people open home daycares is the more demand we see from families in a particular area, we are then actively trying to recruit new daycare providers to ease that imbalance of excess demand and not enough supply. So let's pivot right there and talk about the actual cold, hard reality of today. 2020, going into the school season in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So, you know, KGA as a provider of employee assistance services, we hear about this challenge from both employers, but parents as well, literally every day. So we're just really in a front row seat for how this crisis, the childcare crisis, if you will, is materializing and affecting both families as well as employers. In your experience, what are the challenges that you are also witnessing for these parents and these families? What are some of the consequences, perhaps, that you've seen play out? We continue to hear, and there's a lot of research available now about the majority of parents really struggling. They're reporting that it's impossible what they're being asked to do to juggle work and family. And burnout is at an all-time high. And so my heart goes out to all of these families, to every single working family right now. As a working mom with two children under the age of three, I can relate. I know the challenges and I know just how hard it is to be living at this moment in time. The unfortunate statistics around this and sort of the reality that we see facing families are really scary. Recent studies have shown that 77% of working parents say their productivity has been cut in half. 64% of working parents are actually considering leaving the workforce. Everyone's losing here. The economy suffers companies suffer and parents are are reaching their breaking point. And unfortunately, like the childcare shortages across the country and the disproportionate impact on women, we're seeing that working moms during COVID are four to five times more burdened and we're seeing more working moms leaving, more women leaving the workforce. So I share all of these not to be alarmist and sort of scary, but this is the reality and it's hard to hear, but this is also what we just hear working families feeling. Bridget, I think it's really important that we do share this and we certainly know firsthand that it's very confirming for many people because they don't realize necessarily in what good company they are. It's feeling pretty isolated with these problems at times. So No one's alone in this. We've just been talking about the impact to working families and parents. How about the employers? Do you have employers reaching out to you neighbor schools and asking if they can work with you in some way? Are they looking for solutions from you as well? Yes, we're definitely starting to hear more and more and more from employers who are looking to childcare as a solution to help working families right now. At the beginning, from all of our conversations with HR leaders, when COVID first happened, everybody went into complete triage mode. They knew they needed to do really quick things, right? Nobody knew how long we were going to be facing this. 
and what the long-term impact was going to be. So they did things like create internal resource pages, offering more flexible hours, adding additional days of backup care. I heard of one company who was offering a free subscription to Disney+. Plus. They were instituting these well-intentioned efforts that could be rolled out really quickly, but now everybody is realizing that's not enough. And those were band-aids. And as you were mentioning with school going into September and the school year with so much uncertainty, now that we're going to be facing this for a much longer time period than any of us initially imagined, everyone is changing the conversation and looking for long-term solutions. Got it. And you have those employers in those discussions with you as well. So during this time then, Bridget, 2020, a pandemic and this return to school, how has neighbor schools been successful in helping to fill the obvious gap that we have? Where have you been successful? Yes. So we've been really focused on helping to match families with the right home daycare for their unique needs. And during COVID, what we're actually seeing is a lot of parents are considering home daycare and some of them are really considering home daycare for the first time. And there are four really main factors why we see that pattern happening. One, because they are such small programs, these are programs with six to 10 children in them. So they're almost like mini bubbles to begin with. With more parents working from home, home daycares are more convenient because they're located right in neighborhoods. They're not programs that are located close to a job site. So they're more convenient now with more people working from home. They're also 30 to 40% more affordable than center-based programs um, and other childcare options. And they've always offered mixed age range programs. So like in a center, you might have your infant room, your toddler room, your preschoolers, and everybody is separate. These programs, they're integrated from the beginning. All ages are together. And so home daycares are able to accept school-age children, which is becoming an even more vital resource now with schools up in the air, shall we say. So interesting. You talked about the mixed ages. I hadn't really thought about that before. And long story we're not going to go into, but I did grow up in a situation where even as a kindergarten age kid, I was in close proximity with toddlers and small children. And in hindsight, that was very enriching, frankly. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. It's something we hear a lot. There's huge benefits to the older children who then take on this teacher role and act as a role model for the younger children. And for the younger children, they are also looking up and seeing a child who's ahead of them. So it's pushing them to grow more and the connection between the age groups is beautiful and also really developmentally advantageous as well. So for parents that really hadn't considered the home daycare, the home child care scenario before, are these the kinds of things that you point to and would help them understand perhaps they ought to reconsider? These are some of the factors that we talk a lot about with home daycare. And a big part of our work is helping people to understand home daycare and really teach them about it because it's not 
as known as some other childcare options. I mentioned how these are small programs with six to 10 children. That has its own benefits, but there's also a really close relationship that forms with a provider and a child because the program is small, but also because that teacher isn't leaving, right? This child isn't graduating to the toddler room and then switching to a different teacher. This is an educator who is working with them if they join as an infant all the way really from their infant years to the time when they're going to kindergarten. So everything is incredibly individualized for each child. Those close bonds are formed with providers. Most people who are opening their own program do have childcare experience, and that can take a variety of forms. Can you talk a little bit about the credentials of the people that are, if you will, accepted into the neighbor school to become a neighbor school? So two separate questions, I would say. There's one of who is opening their home daycare, and then there's what value is neighbor schools providing in terms of ensuring that everyone in our network is a quality provider. So I'll take those separately. So people who open home daycares overall, not just specific to neighbor schools, they are all passionate about working with children, but many of them also have this formal childcare experience in their background. So some of them are early interventionists, some are former preschool teachers, or a lot of them have worked in a childcare center and now they want to run their own business. They want to maybe stay home with their own children as well and build a program around them. Or they also have their own belief around the curriculum and philosophy that they want to instill in their program and offer for those families. A lot of people don't know that home daycares are licensed and regulated by the Department of Early Education and Care. So that means that they're closely monitored and they're really as qualified as center-based programs. And they follow strict health and safety protocols. They have regular home inspections by the state. They've passed a three-part background check. I could go on and on. I'm not going to give you a whole laundry list, but... You've made the point I needed to understand, and that is that even though it might be an individual opening their home, this is still a understood profession. You have experienced professionals, licensure is involved, oversight is involved, and those same standards I know are applied to more of the school-based childcare centers. So this is not operating in the dark. Exactly. And on top of that, to your other question about somebody who partners with neighbor schools and how we think about quality, because we know quality is better for children, it's better for families, and ultimately it's better for providers as well. We take quality very seriously. And one of the things that we do is use our technology and our access to data to really monitor quality on an ongoing basis. So if you think of the parents who are already enrolled in a program or the number of parents who are going to tour and visit a program over time, we're constantly in communication with those parents and have a feedback loops set up 
to be able to keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening on any given day within a program. And then we can step in if something needs to be adjusted or tweaked based on that parent input. So Bridget, our time's kind of drawing to an end here, and this has been incredibly helpful. I'm still thinking about those parents that may realize there is not a neighbor's school operating near them right now, or they're not even sure, frankly, if there is an equivalent kind of home resource available. What advice do you have for parents in that situation? We want to hear from them. We want to hear from working families who are looking for care, who need care in their area, because we are constantly expanding our network of providers. And when we see that there's high demand in a particular location, that allows us to be able to direct our resources to hopefully help and create more programs in that area. We actually have 100 people right now who are actively going through the licensing process, who are working to open their home daycares. So that will be an additional 600 spots for children in and of itself. And that is happening on a daily basis that we are recruiting those educators and expanding the network. That gave me hope. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise here. It's been a joy to talk to you. I really do value what you've shared today. Thank you very much. To learn more about neighbor schools or to find a family child care provider close to you, please visit their website at neighborschools.com or call them at 617-263-7500. From KGA, this is The Difference at Work. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you access your podcasts. You can find all of the organizations and resources we've referenced in this episode on our website, www.kgreer.com. That's K-G-R-E-E-R.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn. And if you want to talk further about anything you've heard on this podcast, we hope you won't hesitate to call. We can be reached at 800-648-9557. Thank you for listening.